people who travel around Europe a lot, they, they have this saying, ABC, especially Australians. <laughs> they say, ABC, another bloody castle, <laughs> another <laughs> bloody church. <laughs> and so when we tell them, you know, we'll go see Prediama Castle, and they're like, oh, another bloody castle. But then when they get there, they're like, oh, my God, this is different. I've never seen anything like this. Welcome to On Arrival, the Traveler's Podcast. We're your hosts, KT and Jordan. Throughout our 20s, we've lived and traveled all around the world and fell in love with exploring new cultures. Here at On Arrival, we interview some of the world's most eccentric travelers to hear their original and authentic stories. We hope this show inspires you to take your next trip. And that when you land, you have a game plan. On Arrival. So this week in travel, let's talk about the Delta variant. Yeah, big news. Big news. So we have about 56% of American adults that are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. And the Delta variant has been ruled by the CDC as very dangerous. But the good thing is, is that some of the common um, vaccinations that we have in America, like Pfizer and Moderna, if you have both of those shots, they are proven to be pretty successful against the Delta variant. Um, and what else do we want to say? Well, it's taken a toll on travel. It's got a lot of people worried, a lot of mm-hmm. countries worried. Yeah, specifically the UK. Right. They're seeing a lot of cases and, you know, people that are fully vaccinated, they're saying, you know, you know, that's a good thing. That's the first step, but you still might want to wear masks and yeah. distance um, to be cautious against yeah. that variant. Something to consider too, kind of making sure that you take precautions and look into what's going on at your destinations this summer as far as how what's going on with COVID there, because it's easy to feel like everything's under control where you're at and make you feel good about where you're going. But Mm-hmm. And on, I think, on top of looking at restrictions, just make sure you check into where you're going and see how the situation is there. Right. And pay attention to changes that might be happening to reopening plans yeah. if the Delta variant has made such an impact there. Maybe right. they're scaling things back yeah. or prolonging. Yeah. Keep an eye on your itinerary. Yeah. You know, things switch up. Hopefully you have travel insurance or. And I hopefully know, like, you're vaccinated. Yeah. I know, like United, like when we booked our flights recently there's like a free like change policy. So they don't charge you for changes right now. But if not, hopefully you guys at least have insurance because things can change rapidly in this, in mm-hmm. this, uh, in this environment with COVID. And we've seen that over the last year. Yeah. So just do your part, keep yourself safe, mask up, get vaccinated and stay informed. Right. At this point, people are going to travel. People are, looking for that getaway so just be safe mm-hmm. and to that point a lot of the eu just opened up this past week mm-hmm. and we mentioned on the show today that the eu officially all opens july 1st to vaccinated travelers but uh the following are opening yeah austria yeah. malta the netherlands and switzerland all yeah. just opened up to vaccinated travelers so adding to the list of places you can go and then in the Caribbean, Guadeloupe is Guadalupe, opened up as well. Africa, Mauritius, right? Beautiful country to visit, island nation. 
um, those all countries just opened up this past week. So more and more options for those trying to get out and see the world. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's talk about the travel clubs that we saw come up this week. Yeah, so I was looking at that. There's people, there was an article about travel clubs and it actually was pretty interesting. They talk about these travel clubs. Some examples are Indigare, Prior, and All Call, but they basically, you pay a subscription, either monthly or annual, and they will plan trips for you. And I was wondering, I wanted to ask you on the show what you think about that, if we mm-hmm. should, if we should do it. Uh, I hesitate with any subscriptions, <laughs> like besides Netflix and like my gym membership, I guess. But besides and Amazon that, Prime and <laughs> okay, don't add Nespresso and I don't yeah. know how it goes on, but okay. Um, but I I just get hesitant when I don't know. Think about if you're paying for the subscription and then COVID hits, or right. you know you can't travel for a while because right. of some family Work. issue or something. Yeah. So I just You'd rather pay when we when we use it. I just don't know if it's worth it. That's my thing. Yeah. Um I kind of What would make it worth it to you? I would prefer to pay for travel curation for a single trip. You'd rather pay per trip. Per trip. Than yes. just like paying the fee. It what if you end up paying more that way? You still rather do it that way? I'd still rather do it that way. Because yeah, I just think in the long term that. it's gonna be a better deal to just pay that one. I think it's too hard to know how often you're going to travel and how often you're going to need that insight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're traveling like all the time, like maybe you'll say, Hey, it's worth it. But I don't think most people are to no. where they're going to want to be paying a subscription, especially not now. But yeah, I think I'm interested to hear what other people think about that too. So send us a DM on Instagram. Shoot us visit, an email. Yeah. Any of the above. We want to hear KT what you or think. Jordan, either one at on arrival.com. Send us an email. What you think we want to know. Do people want to use, travel clubs and curation services you know what else we want to know we want to know what people think about the show so far if they're enjoying it what kind of episodes they want to see more of most importantly what would you like to hear less of we really want to know that we want to make this show better for all our listeners so if you're listening out there shoot us an email jordan at onarrival.com kt at onarrival.com let us know hey this is what i'd like to hear less of help us make this show more enjoyable for everyone Yeah, cool. All right. You guys are going to love the episode today. Bye. Bye. Let's get to it. Welcome to a new destination series here at On Arrival, where we sit down with a location expert and get the lowdown on where to go, what to do, and of course, what to eat in some of the world's most popular destinations. The Pearl of Europe, still quite undiscovered. That's how today's guest describes Ljubljana, the capital of Slovenia. In our opinion... Ljubljana, Slovenia is one of the most underrated cities in Europe, a best-kept secret, if you will. Bottom line, if you're planning a trip to Europe, you must include Slovenia as a stop. For me, the ideal trip would be Slovenia, Croatia, and Italy. Slovenia is sustainable, green, and safe. It has a green and safe label which signifies a sustainable direction and high health and hygiene standards. It's the first in the world to be acknowledged by the World Travel and Tourism Council. Slovenia was also awarded the Safe Travel Stamp. And I can say from personal experience, we lived in Slovenia for a year, loved it, and it is such a safe place. I would walk around by myself all the time. I would get taxis by myself. I would take the bus around the city. One time I did get lost, but... (laughs) 
And I remember I texted Jordan and I was like, he's like, where are you? And I was like, honestly, I thought I was, I knew exactly where the bus was going. And now I'm like an hour out. So I don't know when I'll be back, but I found my way. She's back. She made it back. She's here today. So thankfully for that. But Slovenia is home to some of the world's most famous attractions like Lake Bled and Bled Castle, as well as Postoina Cave, which is the largest cave attraction in Europe. And there's the other castle. Pradyama. Pradyama Castle. Which is built into the side of a cliff. We talk about that in today's episode. Yes. And just do yourself a favor right now. Just go to Google, type in Lake Blood. It's stunning. You've seen a photo of it, I'm sure, on Instagram. But it's just one of those places where you see a photo and you're like, eh, it probably doesn't look like that in like in person. But we have the photos on my iPhone, what was it? iPhone six at the time or something. And and they look amazing. So it really is just a stunning, beautiful, safe place. And we can't wait for you guys to hear the episode today. Should be fun one today. I know we love Slovenia. So this will be fun. Yeah. We've been talking about doing this episode for, for a while. So yeah, we were just looking for the right person because we've been to Slovenia. We lived there for a year, but we we really wanted to speak to an expert, so we're happy we have you on. <laughs> That's you. That's you. Good. Today's guest is one of our most remarkable to date. He's been everywhere from Kilimanjaro to Colombia. He's written two books about his travels, and for the last 10 years, he's shown thousands of people the beauty that Slovenia has to offer through his tour company, Slovenia Explorer. One of the world's most informed travel authorities. Please welcome Gregor Fudransberg. Wow. Great. Yeah, hello. <laughs> did I do good? You did very good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. We're really excited to have you. Slovenia has a special place in our heart, so we can't wait to talk to you about it. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, and uh, I'll do my best. All right. Yeah, let's get it going. <laughs> okay, so the first question we ask all of our guests, what is your most memorable travel experience? Wow, that's a that's a difficult one for <laughs> for people who travel as much as I have. So it's like asking what's your favorite country, which is a very difficult question. But right. <laughs> I would say uh, my my favorite travel experience was hiking the the Pacific Crest Trail in the United States. So that was okay. uh, from Mexico to Canada. It's not a like one short experience. It was five months, but that's really something special that I haven't experienced anywhere else. It was doing something wow. on, on my own and really yeah. achieving something. And then on the other hand, when I, when I reached the end, you know, I had a big cigar to me to celebrate, but it was a bit of a letdown because finishing the trail wasn't as exciting as I expected it to be. But the whole experience was great. It's about the journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it confirms. It's about the journey, not the, not the destination. And did you do that trip by yourself? Were you alone? Yeah, I was on my own. Wow, okay. very cool. How long ago was that? Oh, don't ask. It was this. Well, this summer it's <laughs> been uh, twenty years. Wow, two thousand and one. Okay. So it really stuck with you. It was very memorable. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. It was the best experience ever. So you have shared your love for travel in a lot of different ways. You've written books. You've written blogs. You've traveled all around and worked all around and now you run your own tour company and i'm curious what inspires you to share travel what like where does that love come from for sharing all these stories i think it's just i guess not being selfish and keeping it all to myself 
yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I, I have traveled a lot. I started in high school traveling by train, interrail travel all around Europe, and then traveled all around the world. I did bicycle tours, hiking trips. I kind of got into writing articles for, for newspapers and magazines. And then uh, more and more people would ask me, take us, take us there. We want to experience that too. So uh, that's how kind of I got into, into tourism. Yeah. So I started yeah. to organize tours to places where I've been. I started off with Kilimanjaro mountain in Africa, the highest mountain in Africa. I did a, a couple of tours there and then I did a lot of small group tours to, to Southeast Asia, Africa, North Africa, Iran, places like that. Yeah, we can relate. In, yeah, it in sounds familiar. Um, yeah, all of our crazy kind of travels, nothing like quite like yours, but just, you know, when you do these amazing things, people are like, we want to do that too. And that's kind of why we're here with our podcast and hopefully whatever's next with On Arrival, but just it was f- that same passion, love, that passion that we turned shared. into a business. Yeah. We, we, we share that. We read your story about your family trip to Colombia, and at the time your children were two and four. That must have been an amazing experience for them. Do you make it a point to show your children the world at an early age? Yeah, we, we haven't really made a point to, to take the kids traveling. We just kind of decided to, to feed the kids into our lives rather than the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Change yeah. our life to feed the kids. Ever since we had our first child in 2012, we, we took a kind of a long vacation in winter, every every winter, like three to four weeks, which I guess for Americans is a long time. In Europe, we get more vacation time. Right. And winter is low season for tourism in Slovenia, so we could we were able to afford it. So one of the trips was, was Colombia, and that was really one of the most amazing places we've been because mm-hmm. we rented a car. We traveled around Colombia for two weeks and then spent a week on the Caribbean coast. We had two children at the time. Now we have three. <laughs> we have a little girl. She's oh, wow. two and a half now. The boys are nine and seven. Yeah, because of the, the epidemic now, we, we haven't really taken a trip last year. But mm-hmm. we were planning to go to Iran uh, with the kids. And I think it's really, it teaches them a lot. Just seeing other places, seeing how other people live, not understanding. But children can always relate to people. Even if they don't speak the language, they can always communicate with, mm-hmm. with people who, who can do that. Yeah. So uh, after Colombia, we've also been to Malaysia, Borneo, and then Ecuador. And uh, in Ecuador, I know my kids really met some people. Of course, they, they couldn't speak Spanish, but uh, they made really good friends with them anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, even now, after many years, they still remember things. They, they talk about things that, that they've experienced. So uh, I think it's traveling gives you a, a, a good education yeah. that you cannot get in school. Yeah. And uh, it also opens your mind. Like you can fight racism and all kinds of prejudices yeah. if, if you see it firsthand rather than just on television. I totally agree with that. Do your children have a passion for travel like you do? Do you see that in them? I think, yeah, they do. They, yeah. They're really looking for. Well, of course, flying is a big big thing for children 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of we don't like them to use cell phones or or tablets, but yeah. on the on the plane they're allowed to watch it or play games. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. a special time for them anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Jordan loves being on the plane and playing the games and watching the movies as Taking well. My iPad on the plane for <laughs> yeah. sure. My iPad is since we've been not going anywhere since we've been home. My iPad has just kind of sat here, you know. But, but it's perfect for I, travel. Uh, I agree. <laughs> it's the same with us. Yeah. In 2011, you started Slovenia Explorer. How did that come to be? Yeah. Well, as I said, I got into tourism. I organized tours overseas, but they were long, three to four week tours. And uh, after about five years, I kind of had enough of it, (laughs) spending time in exotic places, being away and uh, kind of with my wife, decided to settle down, start a family. And uh, you cannot really do that with so much overseas travel because I spent about half the time overseas. Also, as I traveled, I realized that in many places they're they're able to market really second or third rate attractions that yeah. Yeah, Slovenia are just not aware. Yeah, we're just not aware of how beautiful and how rich Slovenia is. So uh, I kind of combined this kind of settling down in Slovenia and at the same time showing the beauty of Slovenia to visitors. So yeah, this yeah. year we celebrated 10 years, but this last year has been kind of sad for tourism. So yeah, we're kind of we can waiting for it to happen again. We can imagine it's been pretty difficult this last year with, you know, with the way mm-hmm. COVID has just really taken a toll on travel and on tourism. So canceled everything. So we know that yeah. we're excited to get back out into the world. So we hope things pick up for you too. Yeah, I think it, they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Eventually at some point. For our listeners interested in visiting in the future, how can Slovenia Explorer help them get to know Slovenia? Me, me and my team, we're, we pride ourselves to be experts on Slovenia. So we really are into things. We, we know things. We know all the places to be and we the current restaurants, attractions, opening times. We kind of specialize in small, small groups. We don't do large groups, only mm-hmm. like private groups. There's a, a sports team or running team coming to run a marathon and they want to see some, some attractions. But generally, we do up to eight people so they can fit in a van. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, most people want to see the highlights, the top three, top five sites, which we can show them in one or two days. But then we can also take them to, to all the other places that even Slovenians rarely hear about. or yeah. Most people have never been to see them. Everywhere's got those places that it's around the corner, but you don't even really know it's there. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe you've heard about it, but you never made the effort to go see it. Right, right. You mentioned in some of your writing why it's important in Slovenia to have small groups. Can you talk about how that makes it more enjoyable? Yeah, Slovenia is, uh, well, as you know, everything is rather small in Slovenia. <laughs> also, the tourist attractions just don't have the capacity to host large groups. I mean, yeah. if, if, if a tour bus f- with 50 people comes, you know, that's kind of the limit most places can do. But if you get two or three tour buses, it's it's too crowded. But then we have loads and loads of s- attractions that are not visited at all. And yeah. uh, the, the strategy of Slovenia is or should be to spread the tourists around. And uh, small groups like we do is, is the ideal way to visit as many attractions as possible at the same time and spread out the tourists. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because 
being Americans, I know Jordan tells this story, but when his agent called and said, oh, we have an offer for you for a team in Slovenia. The first thing he said was, where's Slovenia? Come on, wife. <laughs> I had to put you on blast. And now he's a citizen uh, of Slovenia. So yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. I think a lot of Americans, they get the chance to go to Slovenia. Of course, we highly recommend it. We love it there. But also, they're going to be pleasantly surprised because a lot of us don't even know it exists. Such and when a- you get there, you're just in shock because it's such a quaint, beautiful place. It really is. And it has everything you could want to do, just like everything. We'll talk a little bit more about that now. But I mean, Slovenia, really, you could do just about anything there. Mm -hmm. And I think my next question for you is, what are the top things that people must see when they come to visit Slovenia? Those big attractions. What are the big attractions? (laughs) Yeah. Big attractions. Well, the the top five that everybody has to see is uh, Lake Blade. It's a famous alpine mm-hmm. lake with the island and the church. Uh, we have Pustojna Cave, which is the most visited attraction in Slovenia and the most visited and the largest cave in Europe. Wow. Uh, Didn't know that. Close by, close close to Pustojna Cave is Predjama Castle, which is a castle set right into a, a cliff. Mm-hmm. It's really unique because even people who travel a lot. It's like a storybook. Yeah. People who travel around Europe a lot, they they have this saying, ABC, especially Australians. <laughs> they say, ABC, another bloody castle, <laughs> another <laughs> bloody church. <laughs> and so when we tell them, you know, we'll go see Predyama Castle, and they're like, oh, another bloody castle. But then when they get there, they're like, oh, my God, this is different. I've never seen anything like this. You know, that's a yeah. very common common, uh, comment. It really does look like kind of like a storybook castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And then Ljubljana, the capital, it's a small Small city, as you say, it has everything. It has all the infrastructure. It has good restaurants, has uh, museums, galleries. But at the same time, it's it's a small and compact. You can walk around it, and all of the city center is pedestrianized, so you can yes. literally walk around. It. And then, not many people know that the white Lipizzaner horses originate in Slovenia in a village called Lipica. That's where mm-hmm. they get their name from. People usually think they're from Vienna or even from Spain. Yeah, the Spanish riding school. Yeah, on the coast we have a pretty, pretty coast. It's very short, only twenty-five miles, but we have some very pretty towns. So these are the top highlights that mm-hmm. yeah. everybody probably should see. I'm so proud of us because we have been to all of these. So I'm very, I'm very yeah. honored that we've had the chance to see all of those you mentioned. I was nervous that maybe there was one you were going to say that, that we had. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your favorite? Casey. Ooh, probably uh, Lipica. Yeah. I loved seeing the horses and we went there and we watched them practice for the day and that was a really fun trip. Yeah. And no, for those that don't know the Lipitana horses, they're born black and then they turn all white and they're like famous uh-huh. for their showmanship. So it's a really Really unique trip, and it was a lot of fun. It's a bit like the story of the ugly duckling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Born dark and right. turns white. Exactly. Lake Bled was is hard to beat, though. I mean, we we've got a photo on our website from Lake Bled on our contact page, mm-hmm. our Korean pen pal story. But it's just, I mean, it's it's like another picture that's like out of a storybook. It's you a got photo there. book. It's so Instagrammable, I guess you could say. But you take a photo there, and it looks it looks like a dream. Yeah, it does. It's it, it really is incredible. So we highly recommend Slovenia and all of those things that you just mentioned. 
And speaking of Lake Blood, we also tried the blood cake there, and that's one of our, our favorites. But we want to ask you about the food. What are some food special to Slovenia that visitors must try? And what are your favorite restaurants? I know we're putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult question. Because Slovenia doesn't have any famous dishes. Uh, like Italy has pasta and pizza, mm-hmm. or Hungary has goulash. But we have a lot of regional specialties because we are so small, of course. Uh, we share the cuisine with other countries. So from Italy, we get pasta, but we have our own form. It's called fuji. Mm. It's like s- square pieces of pasta rolled up into these little uh, rolls. And then you, you eat it with different sauces. One famous dish is uh, strukli, which is like, an, again, rolled dough, cooked. And it's usually stuffed with cottage cheese. And you can have it sweet as a dessert, or you can have it savory and you have it as a side dish to meat dishes. Okay. That's quite famous. In the Northeast, we have a strong Hungarian influence. So we get goulash dishes, those types of things. Yeah. In history, Slovenia was part of Austria for most of the time. So we share a lot of uh, their cuisine, like sausages, Mm -hmm. sauerkraut. We have a special type of sausage called uh, Kranska sausage. Kransky, you get it sometimes in the States, but people don't know it's Slovenian. Kransky sausage. Yeah. It's very good pork sausage. Okay. Um, you have very good desserts. Uh, you try the bled cake. Mm-hmm. It's a custard cream cake. And uh, we have uh, for f- big religious holidays, at Christmas and Easter, we make a, a dish called potica, which is again rolled, rolled down with different fillings like walnut, Poppy seeds, cottage yeah. cheese. That's the one we had. I was trying to remember when we were downtown in Ljubljana, we had this dessert and I was like, there was blood cake and then there was another dessert, but I couldn't remember what it was. And I think that that one's it. It was really good. We've got some work to do on that list. We haven't tried all those foods. So no. <laughs> we've, got, we've got some work to do next time we're in Slovenia for sure. What about restaurants? Well, in the last years... With the epidemic, most of the places have been closed or working in limited limited range. Mm-hmm. But only last year we got our first Michelin guide. So five restaurants in Slovenia got Michelin stars. Wow. One of them, if you heard of Hisha Franco in Kobarit, she got two stars. It's a very famous chef, Anna, Anna Roche. She was, uh, she had a show on Netflix. Okay. And she was voted the best female chef a couple of years ago. So she's really good. And with two Michelin stars, it's it okay. exceeded even, I think, even her expectations. Yeah. Wow. And uh, That's impressive. these five, five, six restaurants are spread out all around Slovenia. So if you do a tour of Slovenia, you can also have some amazing, amazing food. How many of those Michelin restaurants are in Ljubljana? One of them. One of them. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Good to know. We'll have so to try have that. have to take a tour of <laughs> to try them all. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And we have some favorite restaurants in Ljubljana. Every time we go there, we have to stop at Pops. Have you had Pops before? They're wings and burgers. Pops burger, burgers. Yeah. yeah. We sure. love Pops. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Just by it's more week. casual, but we love Pops. Mm-hmm. So good. And we love, what are some of our other favorites? Cacao. I mean, it's it's like a... You know, coffee and dessert spot. Ice cream and cake. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, right on the river or the one in Puerto Rose too, that's right on the seaside. It's like, both are really nice. We got a couple other favorites. Maybe we'll we'll share them for you guys to see. 
I want to talk about one of my favorite things, which is wine. And <laughs> I love Slovenian wine because it's so like, it's kind of like Slovenia in that it's it's kind of undiscovered, but they can be really exceptional. You know, they have some really good wines. So share a little bit about Slovenia and, and the wines in Slovenia. Yeah, Slovenia, as small as it is, we have three wine growing regions with quite distinct wines. So one is uh, the border of Italy and our coastal region. That's considered probably the best. And they have both red and white. It's more Mediterranean wines. The northeast, it's more uh, continental wines, similar to German or Austrian wines. So mainly white, Rieslings. And uh, then the southeast is kind of a mixture. It's also continental, but very more specifically Slovenian wines. Maybe not as well known outside of Slovenia. And in the last... So just this week, we celebrated 30 years of independence on the 25th oh, yeah. of June. So in the last 30 years, Slovenian winemaking has made a really big progress. Because in, in the old times, in the communist times, it was mainly co- large cooperatives. So people mm-hmm. would produce grapes and then they would make cheap, yeah. cheap wine for the masses. Yeah. But since the independence, many of the smaller growers have been getting really well educated in, in wine growing. And they've been getting really good results. So because the production is so small, you cannot usually buy it overseas in supermarkets. Right. Because we, there is not enough. We look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can usually order it, mail order it, or uh, in good restaurants like in New York, London, yeah. mm-hmm. Tokyo, you can get Slovenian wines. On, uh, That's awesome. Where did I see that at? You get excited when you see a Slovenian wine on the menu. Yeah, I saw some a month or two ago. I saw some Slovenian wines. Wasn't that there a That was in Russia. Oh, you saw one That was in Russia. They had some Slovenian wines. You know, that's an interesting story you tell about the the communism because we ran into that when we were in Hungary. Remember, they told us that story about Mm -hmm. they pushed a lot of the grapes to extinction because they were just mass producing wine. So it's interesting that you guys share that same story. Do you at Slovenia Explorer, do you guys do many wine tours? Yeah, we, we do wine tours in uh, in all around Slovenia, all mm-hmm. the three wine regions. And uh, we have very good, uh, because there's many small producers with good wines and good good stories to tell. So yeah. we usually do a tour of the cellar, a tour of the vineyards, and then, of course, do the, the wine tasting. Yeah. The most important part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slovenians usually have pretty good stories. I got to give them credit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What about Pivo? What about beer? Like we got some beer, some beer drinkers will tune in. Yeah, we have more and more uh, good beer. So we have two two traditional large breweries. Like in Michigan, you have Miller's. We have Union in Indiana and Lashko. (laughs) Lashko is with the green label and and the goat, but they're both owned by Heineken now. Oh wow! Corporations, but in the last. Maybe five, six years, there's been a big scene of uh, microbreweries. Uh-huh. Some of them have grown. Like in Ljubljana, there's a famous one called Ljubljana, mm. which is like phonetically Ljubljana. Actually owned and run by, by a couple of friends of mine. And they've really grown well. They've have a, a, they, they bottle it, they make cans, and they, a lot of bars have it on tap. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. There's more and more. About three years ago, it was a big hit, so it's... Maybe too many microbreweries, but now mm-hmm. we have like a stable scene of of good quality beers. Yeah, we can also do a we can do a tour of a beer right. <laughs> microbreweries. Yeah, that's my next question. And uh, there's a town not far from Ljubljana, about thirty miles, called Jalets. Uh-huh. 
And they have a beer fountain. It was the first beer fountain in Europe or in the world. Okay. It looks, you, you get there, you, you buy a, a, a mug, and then you can taste five or six beers <laughs> from this fountain. We're putting that on our visit. list. <laughs> we're not even beer drinkers, but we're, yeah. we'll put that on our list. I'm sure we'll have some beer drinkers. So even if you're a beer drinker, Slovenia is the way to go. I mean, it really does have everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Union, uh, I used to live right two blocks from Union Brewery. And Olympia, the basketball team used to play across the street in, in Tivoli. The Tivoli, yeah. Tivoli Sports Arena. So in the, I'm quite old. So in the times of Yugoslavia, I had a season pass for Olympia. Yeah. And the Yugoslavian league was really big. It was really oh, yeah. so Every oh, yeah. Saturday, well, every other Saturday, they played home games. It was really good games. That's right. Huge basketball. From, huge basketball yeah. culture in Yugoslavia, for sure. And I think that's a restaurant, too. You can eat there at that Union Brewery, right? Right next to Tivoli? At the brewery, yeah. They, they opened a, a pub restaurant. Yeah, I had it's a couple. It's called Pionica, yeah. Couple lunches there once or twice with some teammates. <laughs> okay, so hypothetically, if I'm a tourist coming to Slovenia for the first time, because many Americans, I'm I'm guessing many of the tourists that you see from America, it is their first time in Slovenia. How many days would you suggest that I stay? Like, what's ideal? <laughs> yeah, well, probably the most common mistake that visitors to Slovenia make is uh, not allow enough time to visit. Yeah. Because Slovenia is so unknown that people look at it and they say, oh, one or two days is enough. And then they come here and most people are really stunned by how much there is to see and the quality of the attractions. So I'd say two days is definitely not enough. I'd say five to six days mm-hmm. probably would give you a good introduction, but 10 days would give you a really good overview and you can relax. We have a lot of maybe spa <laughs> spa centers, spa holidays. Yeah. Or uh, right now I'm taking an active holiday in Krajska Gora, in the Alps. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have places where you can go mountain biking, hiking, cycling. We did training camp there. And I took the – they have the telefreak to go to to the top of the ski mountain. I did that. He did I got a terrible (laughs) – I got a terrifying story, actually. I didn't think I was going to make it. I thought I was going to – those were my last moments on that thing. I know. I was going up and it was it was like getting dark when I got on it. So by the time I'm like halfway up, it's pretty dark and I'm halfway up this mountain and it just stops and I'm by myself in the car and the car is just hanging there and just like Bobby. bouncing up and down. And I'm just like, <laughs> I think I called her and I was like, look, I, I might not make it off of this mountain today. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. So they started again. Yeah. yeah, man. Thankfully, I made it. <laughs> How man, long was sure. the break in the middle? It had to be like 10 minutes of just sitting there. And it's dark and I'm like above. And you didn't like, know it was going to take like, a break in the middle. Right. It's okay. woods. It's woods too below you. Like I probably say 50 meters down, like mm-hmm. 100 feet at least. And I'm just like hanging there. I'm just like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to what we were originally speaking about. We read that your slogan was Slovenia, small enough to visit anything in one day, but big enough to explore it all your life. And I totally agree with you. People say, oh, I'm going to do a one day stopover in Slovenia. And big mistake. Big mistake. It's just not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. Yeah. And like we said, like you can do everything like 10 days might sound like a lot, but you will do something different every day. Like 
everything, anything you're interested in, you can find it. Like you even mentioned art and markets. Like we went to the art market. We have pieces in our home that we got at the art markets in Slovenia. Like um, there's so much to do. So much and to offer. I think as an American going over to Europe, a lot of people are going to Italy. Maybe they're going to Croatia. Well, Slovenia is right there. If you're going to take a trip over there, you can do like three different countries but Slovenia should definitely be on your list because it really is such a hidden gem. Yeah. Let's talk about that. If I want to visit Slovenia, what's like some good stops to kind of pair it with? You know, obviously we talk about Croatia and Italy. What, are, what do you typically see? Yeah, that's one of the problems with Slovenia. People don't kind of take it as a destination in itself. Right. They don't say, this year I'll, I'll visit Slovenia. You know, like if you go to Sri Lanka, which we visited my family, Everybody goes to Sri Lanka for maybe two weeks or 10 days, mm-hmm. and they don't think about combining it with India. But Slovenia is kind of stuck with combinations. Yeah. But, uh, we're, we're bordering Italy. We're, the Slovenian border is only 100 miles from Venice. So many yeah. people fly, fly into Venice, visit maybe northern Italy, Trieste, and then come to Slovenia. Mm-hmm. We're also bordering Austria. So Vienna is only maybe two hours drive from the border. So you can also fly to to Vienna, visit south of Vienna, and then come to Slovenia. Budapest in Hungary, it's also two and a half hours from Slovenia. Or Croatia, maybe the most natural is Croatia because we used Mm -hmm. to be the same country in the past. We share the same culture, similar language, yet it's quite different because we are more Central European, more Alpine country, and Croatia is very Mediterranean. They concentrate a lot of their tourist efforts on the coast. So it's an ideal combination. You can do go to mm-hmm. the coast in Croatia yeah. and do everything else in Slovenia. That sounds great. I'm ready to go, Jordan. Yeah, we're ready to take. We're definitely, we don't want to plug Croatia too much in this episode, but we've talked about doing that while we're in Slovenia, like a trip down to Croatia and the islands and things. But I mean, you know, you talk about great places to go, Venice, Vienna, Trieste. Um, you could even do a Zagreb, right? Like if you're in Croatia, yeah. Like, you know, there's so many great places that are nearby that mm-hmm. you can combine. Yeah, even as a base to explore Central Europe, it's, Slovenia is really good because uh, yeah, Zagreb is only 10 miles from, <laughs> from the border. Salzburg yeah. is very close. Munich yeah. even for Oktoberfest. Yeah. And when we went to Venice, we went from Ljubljana. Like that's where we yeah, went from. from Ljubljana. It's only two and a half hours drive to, to mm-hmm. Venice. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. And then where else? Oh, yeah. Like when you were playing for Olympia in Slovenia, I would go to the away games in Zagreb. Like it's really doable. It's a quick show your passport mm-hmm. at the border. I don't know mm-hmm. what it's like now with COVID, but um, it was really easy. It's still pretty simple. Uh, I, I mean, I went in November and that was wasn't too bad. I'm sure it's better now. But, you know, we also went to Trieste from there. So it's like there's so much you can do mm-hmm. from Ljubljana, you're right. It's just a great base. Yeah. For people that are wondering, what is the best time to visit Slovenia? Well, the best time right now, July and August, perhaps it's too hot and a bit crowded because everybody's taking vacation in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Winter, it's nice if it's snow, but otherwise it might be a bit bleak. But late March till June... It's really good. May, June is probably the best. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. September, October, early November. Yeah. Those are really good times. So if you like wines, 
probably the fall is a good time because mm-hmm. the grape the grapes are harvested then you can get yeah. young wines very soon after or uh, spring is beautiful but even summer it doesn't get as hot would you yeah. say that summer is the busiest time for tourists so you would recommend more of like the fall or spring yeah definitely the summer july and august is is the busiest both from foreign visitors and domestic tourists because we have school holidays Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a fall and spring kind of guy anyway so that's when i would take my trip we were in slovenia in the winter yeah recently why were we there do you remember we were we were there in uh november for the national team window okay yeah but we were also there when I played there. September was really nice. And May and June were really nice at the end of the season. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Those are great times. And it's not too hot. Yeah. Not too hot, not crowded. It's good. Yeah. So as the EU prepares to welcome vaccinated foreign travelers, I think it was June 1st that they started welcoming them back. Well, July 1st for the EU. But okay. I think Slovenia, you guys started letting in vaccinated tourists June 1st? I think we did, Yeah. Yeah. Are you seeing um, visitors come back and are you getting more increases in your bookings? Well, considering we haven't had any (laughs) since September, yeah, it's a big increase now. It's very small numbers, but we are seeing an increase. So people are coming back. Uh, We just had a a small group, three or four Mexicans come Mm -hmm. last week for a tour. And they said, yeah, they they wanted to come to Europe and they looked at where... uh, the regulations are not as strict. Right. So they chose Croatia and Slovenia. Yeah. We did a whole episode about that. Yeah. So slowly it's it's going to pick up yeah, as more and more people get vaccinated. Right. Obviously, COVID kind of brought tourism to a halt. We talked about that. Yeah. Until COVID, I mean, you started in 2011. So over the years, did you see more people making their way to Slovenia, more, more tourists coming to Slovenia? Yeah, definitely. Every year... So the first five years, it was kind of a steady rise. And the last four, maybe before years before COVID, it was quite a steep rise, maybe 20 to 30%. Our company yeah. was growing every year. Yeah. In, even in Ljubljana, you could see every year there would be new hotels popping up. So uh, yeah. in general, Slovenia was getting more and more recognized as a, as a tourist destination. Yeah, and it kind of goes to our point, right? Like we always felt like people that know about Slovenia like have to go there. But if you don't if know, you don't know, you, about you it, don't you don't know, know any about better, it. right? It's just yeah, you cannot know. You got to experience it and just take a leap of faith. We rave about Slovenia, and we've had a few people like, okay, we're gonna put that on our list. I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's very green. It's very safe, and. It's just, you can't miss it. Everything's green. I, that's something that just sticks in my mind. Like yeah. everything is green. I think it's interesting because like you really can't get everything you would want, but you just, people just don't know about it. It doesn't have that appeal, right? Like I'm going to Rome or Paris or, and I say that because we live there, but you know, other, other cities too, like I'm going to Barcelona. It just has so much more appeal than to say, mm-hmm. you know, Slovenia or Ljubljana. It doesn't have that same appeal, but you get everything you could want from a from a trip if you go to Slovenia. Mm-hmm. So what about safety? As you guys are reopening, the country is reopening, how are you handling safety for your guests? Well, we have quite strict rules. It's the We still have to wear masks indoors and in public transport. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory to have the hand sanitizers in all the public places. All the hotels have to have it on each floor. All the elevators, they have special rules. Only one 
person or one family can use it at the time. Mm-hmm. Restaurants have and public transport vehicles have to be sanitized after every use. So uh, it's kind of general protocols. General, uh, yeah. Protocols, but they're quite strictly enforced. Slovenia is. I think that's the the legacy of Austria. We we follow all the rules very strictly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm a rule follower myself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. As we wrap up, I want to know some of your what are some of your highlights? Some of the things that people most love to do with uh, Slovenia Explorer. It's Slovenia Explorer. Well, apart from the tourist highlights that we mentioned, we also like to take people off the beaten track. So one of our tours is called Slovenia Incognita. <laughs> like mm-hmm. unknown Slovenia, mm-hmm. where we don't tell people where we're going to take them, but we just Ooh. promise that they will have a good time. So uh, Intriguing. basically all of Eastern Slovenia is, is terra incognita because all the highlights we mentioned are in Western Slovenia, the Alps or the coast or the karst. But Eastern Slovenia, we have a lot of forest, lots of castles, medieval castles, about two-thirds of the vineyards, most of the natural hot water spas, spa centers. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of what we call the farmsteads. I don't know if you ever use them. It's like large farms that they host tourists. Okay. They have yeah. a, a few rooms available and they usually do a breakfast and dinner, sometimes lunch even. Oh, yeah. We like those. So that's a very good good way to experience Slovenia. Yeah. yeah. So uh, wine tasting tours. All sorts of sports. I don't know if you've been to Maribor. It's the second largest city in Slovenia. Above mm-hmm. Maribor is the, the hills of Pohorje. It's a very beautiful, very uh, pine wood covered hills. They have a ski resorts there. In the summer, they have a downhill bike park. They host a downhill world championship every few years. So for sports, outdoor people, cycling tours, we're starting to organize self-guided bicycle tours mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. around Slovenia. It's right up your alley. Yeah, definitely. With my experience, it was a natural way to yeah. to develop that. But we have lots of small, small panoramic roads with very little traffic and very beautiful scenery. So that, yeah. that would be kind of the main things. Yeah. Yeah. Why is a guide so important, especially for those with limited time? If they're only in Slovenia for a little bit, why should they hire Slovenia Explorer? <laughs> well, it's you can always travel by yourself, but uh, in Slovenia, luckily for us, but not for the sustainability of the country, the public transport is not very good. So <laughs> most most places you cannot reach or you spend a lot, a lot of time reaching them and uh then, as I said, many of the attractions are just not well known. They're not in the guidebooks. Even the local people, I mean, if they live around there, they would know it, but you really have to know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. And uh, just with our experience, we can uh, optimize the time. So the, the price performance ratio, I think yeah. it's better if, if you let More us bang for it. your buck. <laughs> yeah. So maybe for students, when they go on a budget, they can, you know, explore on their own. But if you look at the time that you invest in uh, researching and uh, then maybe hiring a car, then mm-hmm. you cannot really uh, make it cheaper. Uh, but it's hard to to discover the places that we know. Right. Right. I'm so happy we found you because we have so many friends and family members and our listeners here that 
I'm sure are going to be itching to go to Slovenia. And now we have someone to direct them to. For sure. Yeah. And next time we're in Slovenia, we would love to oh, we're gonna, meet up. Yeah, we're going to give you a call. Don't worry. <laughs> give me a call and we have a people. I'm already picturing that that wine tour. I'm already I'm already ready. So we'll be giving you a call for sure. Definitely. Excellent. So for our listeners that want to follow along or see more of what Slovenia Explorer has to offer, where can they look for you? Where can they look for Slovenia Explorer? Well, online we have our website, slovenia-explorer.com. We're also active on uh, Facebook, Slovenia Explorer, Instagram. And they can always call us or uh, email us yeah. if they need any advice before. Because <laughs> many people, yeah, they, they when they're planning the trip, they have lots of questions. So we're happy to do them. For sure. And uh, we also have a blog about lesser known Slovenia, which is called sloveniaincognita.com. Mm. Okay. I will say I called the number for Slovenia Explorer. And got you. So, you know, it's pretty per- it's a personal. It's a very personal, uh, personal experience. So don't worry. Gregor. We were looking for you and we called yeah. and we got you. <laughs> He'll take care of you guys. So thank you so much, Gregor, for joining us. We are so happy we could do this episode and highlight one of our favorite countries. And mm-hmm. we're, you know, so grateful for you joining us. So thanks again. Yes. And we will put we'll put everything on the show notes and on our website so people know how to find you. Mm-hmm. So Thank you for being here. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So you guys heard all about Slovenia today. I want to take a minute to give a shout out to the Slovenian men's basketball team. Best of luck as you start your Olympic qualifier journeys. Go make history, guys. We ha- You have all our support. So. Yeah, I wish Jordan was able to be there, but hey, shit happens. <laughs> We're with you guys. Good luck. Thanks for listening to another episode of On Arrival. We've had so much fun recording these episodes and sharing them with you every week. If you like this episode, share it with somebody. And don't forget to subscribe to our show, On Arrival Podcast, on all podcast platforms. We would really appreciate it if you would write us a positive review wherever you choose to listen. And look for us on social media at On Arrival Travel on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're looking for more episodes, you can always head over to onarrival.com.